Greetings, SE Land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler, here with episode number 70 in Twig's SE Reflections podcast series, which is kind of an off the cuff commentary, thoughts, and reflections on the process of being a somatic experiencing student and practitioner. Here to share some thoughts with you for SE students and practitioners, I just said that, everywhere. All of you out there that are studying the psychobiological literature and the work of Peter Levine and putting these ideas into practice, getting an awareness of how it is that the body relates to stress and trauma, how the brain and the nervous system communicate through various different subsystems of the autonomic nervous system to help us accommodate stressful encounters as elucidated and informed by the polyvagal theory and how one part of our nervous system will help us engage with challenge and novelty. Another part of our nervous system will help us fight or flee in order to defend our organism, get us back to safety essentially as fast as it can. That's a high mobilization state, takes a lot of energy. It's something we don't want to have to do a lot, very often, unnecessarily. And yet when we do need it, we want it there. It's the sympathetic nervous system. And then on the other side of things, when things get really bad, they get life-threatening toward the edge of our capacity to attain our return to safety. Maybe our nervous system, as through a kind of perceptual awareness, says, I'm going to die here. The thing I'm doing isn't working. Yet another subsystem of the autonomic nervous system will take over our behavior our physiology, our physical processing of how our body is working will put us into the freeze immobility state and we'll kind of capitulate to the threat, turn off temporarily, shut down, collapse, maybe freeze as we sometimes say. All of these responses from engagement to fight and flight to freeze, these are all biologically driven, evolutionarily informed responses to how our organisms respond to threat, stress, trauma bad things, challenging things, things that might do us harm. And yet, as Peter Levine has done a very beautiful job over the last 40 years of helping us to see, that process has a completion aspect to it where the body wants to come out of those responses, return to the state of well-being and at-easeness as exemplified by the ventral vagal complex, the social engagement nervous system, as Stephen Porges names that. And we're we're alacritous to do that. Our nervous system wants the opportunity to do that. Unfortunately, for this and that reason, of which there are many people, humans, animals in captivity, a lot of critters are unable to complete that process. A lot of humans aren't able to complete that process and end up walking around as though we still need to run or as we still need to fight or as we still need to freeze. And, well, it's such good news to know that that doesn't have to last forever. This is a natural biological sequence, the stress response. It has elements of activation and deactivation that want to happen when the proper signals and opportunities for the nervous system to experience itself at different phases or stages along that sequence. Resolution can come to pass of those autonomic, automatic, involuntary instructions that cause us to behave the way that we do involuntarily when we're threatened. Those instructions, once they're able to execute themselves sufficiently and the deactivation sequence of discharge or settling out of the stress response can enact itself, the body can return to at-easeness. And oh my goodness, even those of us that have had 
considerable amount of time of confusion and dysregulation from our nervous system being so ill at ease, even then, we can find it easier to relate to other people, relate to ourselves, and be found here in the present moment. Isn't that nice to know? Well, one thing that happens for us SE practitioners when we're helping people through all of that is that we end up seeing people close their eyes or, um, yeah, well, we just see that. We see people close their eyes, close their eyes in sessions. And maybe we have this thought, we have this curiosity, we have a wonder, should I let her close her eyes or should, should we work eyes open here or eyes closed here? Or is there, is there, is there a purpose? Like, is it a good idea to close the eyes? Like that, that's a question because you'll see, you'll see in the demonstrations from Peter Levine and other folks, you'll see, you'll see in your own sessions that sometimes you close your eyes and sometimes you keep your eyes open. And, and what is this? Is it better necessary to have the eyes open? Better necessary to have the eyes closed? Is there, ah, it makes me think of a quote or comment I heard from Raja Selvman, who's one of the senior SE faculty. When I, I was in a training early on with him, d- didn't spend enough time, as I've said before, but but I, I was in a training and, and a client, demonstration person, was um, kind of doing a session with him and she started to close her eyes. And Raja said something to ask her to keep her eyes open. I can't remember what it was that he, the phrase that he used, but he, um, he said something to have her keep her eyes open. And then he turned out to the class, to us, the students, you know, and he said, there's nothing profound about having your eyes closed. <laughs> there's nothing profound about having your eyes closed. And uh, of course, I, I don't have his voice at all, but it, it, I, I, got the, I got that. That was good. There's nothing profound about having your eyes closed. And yet you will have clients and maybe even your own experiences where the insistence or the sense of expectation is that having the eyes closed is somehow more profound, more valuable, more um, real. You'll have clients that insist upon it. They'll say like, oh no, I can track better with my eyes closed, or this is how I do it, or this is the way to do it, something like that. You'll have a whole range of folks, of course, and some of them will both find themselves likely to close their eyes and some people who will defend it and insist upon it. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I should weigh in whether or not there's a, um, a right way or a wrong way to do this. What I'm interested in, maybe I offer you here listening to this podcast, is, is to have different things to think about. Because obviously there are times when it's incredibly necessary to keep our client's eyes open you know, when you, when that, that heavy sense of dissociation is coming on or, or the repetition of some altered state that has nothing to do with the present moment and doesn't have any of the necessary witness and pendulation processes in place to say that this person is going to be able to pay attention to that dissociation and ride with it and notice its apogee, its, its kind of edge effect, its threshold where it starts to turn and come back. You know, you're just going to lose them. And, and you can see how that can get propelled, just, you know, ratcheted up at a thousand miles an hour if they're able to close their eyes. 
So there are there, you know, that's an extreme case. And there's a there's a lot of others where you can just see it's so much more effective or so much more advantageous for us to keep our eyes open and not have that slip away of attention. Maybe they close their eyes and it's boring. There's nothing to pay attention to. And having their eyes closed is a, is a kind of, you know, a, a way to avoid some of your contact and your, you know, in this case, stupid questions about what am I feeling now and what am I noticing now? And some people, they can, they can just be bothered by you asking that question, particularly if it's happening, you know, feel free to learn how to do it, but it's eventually you have to have an economy of how much you do that. Otherwise you can annoy people. And, and if you are annoying people, some people will close their eyes and, and, and try and get away from you. And which is to say that that might not be the time for you to insist that they keep their eyes open. That might be the time for you to change your behavior otherwise (laughs) and such. There's, um, other times you got to just have people keep their eyes open. If you're, if you're seeing this incredible draw to the red vortex where the pole just takes all of their attention from one tension to the next or one displeasure to the next, you, you'll need to, um, keep their eyes open, give them a little bit of a buffer, um, some space, some orientation as it were to get a different subsystem of their organism working, right? The ventral vagal complex, the orientation system, to have that working enough so as to buffer the draw of maybe their heart rate faster, going faster, or perhaps more likely going slower as a dorsal vagal kind of call kind of comes on. So you might be actively pulling the attention out into the engagement system, the ventral vagal system, seeing the environment or engaging with you, looking around, engaging the musculature of the sternocleidomastoid muscles as we talked about in the ventral vagal complex episode it's that back in 50 52 i think 51 or 52 if twigs reflections but you'll you'll have had that information other places you know you want to have your eyes open so you're more likely to let your head and neck turn a little bit so that you're more innervating the ventral vagal complex there will be times that that's important and usually it's because the draw in the other direction is so strong and you need to establish a little bit more balance between these different subsystems before you just give free reign to the um, distress side of the spectrum. When when that comes to pass, you know, there, there are lines that you have to like come forward and tell people not to have their eyes open. There are phrases that you need to use. There are things you need to say because people will close their eyes. And if you, if you give any indication that that's okay, you'll reinforce it, you'll give it feedback that it's okay. So there are times when they close your eyes and it's more participatory and you want to let that happen. And you'll actually, or you could, you could kind of lean into that and say something like, mm-hmm, you know, right when they close their eyes and you want to feedback that this is something you want to have happen, you could say, mm-hmm. And just by saying that, you reinforce, yeah, what you're doing here makes sense and you can go ahead and do that and I'm encouraging you to do that without having to say anything. And that's nice when that's what wants to happen. But if a person closes their eyes and you don't want it to happen, you'd kind of prefer that they keep their eyes open. And you might even have to move toward insisting that they keep their eyes open, or that's what you should be doing, perhaps. In those cases where the red vortex or the freeze draw or the dissociation calling is too strong and you need to get this buffer in place with orientation, when those happen, you kind of need to make sure you don't give any feedback 
any positive feedback or even allowing feedback that when they close their eyes, you know, you you don't go, mm-hmm. At that moment, you'd, you'd want to be instead coming in and saying something like, well, right, you know, like even even if there's the little desire for the eyes to close there for a moment, maybe I'm just going to invite us to keep our eyes open and we'll just keep our eyes open and continue to notice what else we were noticing. Now, that's a long-winded way of saying something like, what you can often hear Stephen Hoskinson say, which he, he's got a very clear way that he does this. He just says, let's keep our eyes open here. Let's work eyes open. Those are, um, those are very clean and authoritative and helpful kind of comments. People just know, oh, uh, okay, I'll keep my eyes open. You'll hear in that other example where it's a, it's a longer-winded one, right? You know, it's like, Oh, you know, even as you feel the the desire for that, or even if that feels a little bit more comfortable, or, oh, you know, as the eyes feel like they want to close, I'm just going to invite us, if we can, just to keep the eyes open for a moment. And we'll just kind of keep the attention a little bit more, both seeing things and then also noticing what else you were noticing. Uh, you, whatever line you use, and you'll want to find the one or some group that works for you, you know, of course, sometimes you need to be more soft with how you say things and sometimes you can be more direct or authoritative when you when you go in either of these directions you need to say it that's the point if you don't say something when they close their eyes and you give a little bit of time for their eyes to be closed and if you inadvertently or accidentally give the feedback oh yeah mm-hmm, let your eyes close or oh that's fine to do that and then a few minutes later a few moments later you realize ah. Um, I shouldn't have done that. I, they, they shouldn't know their eyes closed. I should, I should have had their eyes open. Your signal is a little confusing now. If you come in and say, oh, now let me ask you to open your eyes. And, you know, amongst everything else that you're trying to do, you're trying to keep your signal consistent and safe and reliable. And that means that sometimes you're giving permission to things that you're interested in having happen and other times, you're before they try to before they get kind of going, you're trying to redirect attention. And if if they don't get going, this this is at least one pattern that I recommend. You know, if if a person I'm I'm gonna step over sideways to freeze for a moment, person starts to go into freeze, if you don't see the preconditions for freeze, you need to get to be successful going through freeze and having something new happen, then you need to come in and change that. You need to like bring them out of freeze before they allow it before you allow it to go in if you can and if you can't and they go into freeze before you have the opportunity to kind of come in and and redirect their attention out of freeze and they're in freeze and now you come in and tell them to get out of freeze then you're you're really confusing the situation of whether or not they should be allowed to be in freeze or not because you didn't stop them right at the beginning and so you allowed some of it but now that some of it's happening and you come in and you and you want to get out of it because you realize this isn't going to go anywhere. Well, at that moment, to keep your signal of consistency that part of what you're doing is reinforcing what you want to have happen, and when you can't, or when we shouldn't let this happen, we should redirect it pretty early on so it doesn't get allowed to get going. You see that nuance? Well, when you when you get that, you might think, oh, the more consist the more interesting thing or important thing here is for me to keep my consistency of signal. They already went into freeze. Now they're in freeze. Rather than me pulling them out of that as if what is happening here is wrong, I'll let this move through, not anticipating that it's going to be terribly productive. 
And on the other side of this, we'll, you know, maybe toward the end of the session, take the gentlest way out of it. And we'll keep some signal of consistency of like, okay, well, when we're in there, we'll allow it to happen. And maybe next time you'll catch it before it goes in there so as not to go in there when it's not going to be productive. Well, there's this thing, the same thing goes when a person closes their eyes. As they're closing their eyes, if you come in pretty quickly, not like you're, you know, attacking them, but, but you come in quick enough to say, oh, let's do it this other way. Let's keep the eyes open. Then you're, you're in the, you're, you know, you've got some consistency of signal here. You, you kind of got the reins on the session, kind of guiding things. That's part of your job. Now, in the case when it goes in and you, and you don't, but a few minutes later you realize they should have their eyes open, you know, it, it's, um, I don't know. I, I generally find that if I miss that moment, and I, and I can tell you, there must be hundreds of sessions back in my past and, and, and just as many probably in my future that have me pounding my head for 10 minutes inside of myself saying, why did I let him close his eyes? Why did I let him close his eyes? Whose idea was it to let him close his eyes and not pull him out of that before that started or as that was happening? And a few minutes into it, realizing I shouldn't have let him close his eyes and then weighing, should I tell him to open his eyes now and confuse my signal or should I just kind of do the best with what has become the thing that is now happening, which is that his eyes are closed and, and he's, you know, in another galaxy kind of thing and we weren't really ready to go do that together. Up to you. And you can kind of see what I'm asking you to think about. But when you see it and you realize this isn't the time to have eyes closed, that's a good time for you to come to the edge of your chair and say, hey, as interested as we are in following these different kinds of things, let me just ask if you'd be willing to keep your eyes open for a little while here while we continue to notice what else you were paying attention to, just in order to give a little bit more balance of attention so that that swept away feeling doesn't happen. On the corollary, or no, on the not the corollary, or the corollary, not that. Um, on the opposite side, on the pendulation side, there are times when it's totally advantageous to let your eyes, let your client's eyes close, even your eyes as in the session for that matter. You know, it's relaxing. It can be settling. It can obviously be um, part of the process. You know, it can be a, an easygoing pendulating freeze state where like the process is just moving through and you just see the musculature really lose its tone. Um, it can also be, no doubt, potentiating of the internal experience. Like if, you, if you're not buffered by having to pay attention or parse out your attention to both outside and inside, it becomes easier, at least a lot of times, to be able to feel things inside. And so when you, when you are interested in tracking like a discrete experience at the somatic felt sense, especially sensation level of things, or even the image channel of things to see things like, you know, through like sparkles in a dark place or a kaleidoscope happening, though that freedom of allowance of that can be often is 
very much aided by having the eyes closed. And so it's, it becomes a question, is the person observing and witnessing and, in, and involved and are things pendulating and not simply being swept away in one side of the vortex or so? Uh, at, at that level, yeah, sure. Like, oh, you know, like your eyes want to close? Like, oh, just let that happen. Or, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, like whatever your eyes want to do, even with your eyelids closed, you can even let your eyes be however they want to be. Later in sessions, oftentimes, once a person's eyelids are closed and they're maybe coming out of freeze or coming out of kind of into a settling state or the nervous system is moving over to that ventral vagal orientation engagement side of things, you very often see spontaneous movement of the eyes under the eyelids. You know, very easy line right there when you see that. And it's important to kind of phrase it in in direction or in order here because you say like even with your eyelids closed now you can you can come up with any other phrasing but it's important that you say eyelids closed before anything else because if you say eyes first people will often open their eyes and that maybe isn't exactly what you're after for here so what your the line might look like is yeah right so even with your eyelids closed or yeah continuing just continuing at your own at your own pace here and even with your eyelids closed even with your eyelids closed you can even you can still let your eyes move however they want to move and and that's another nice place for that feedback where when a person's eyes become even freer in that movement and you'll see that a lot of times if you phrase that just right if you you know if they don't pop their eyes open to look at you hearing the word eyes if you say continuing continuing and if you notice even with your eyes closed if you notice your eyes moving a little bit back and forth even with your eyes closed you can even then let that happen and you'll see people's eyes like start to move even more involuntarily and when that happens when you see that little extra allowance it's the same as that line that you said when a person closed their eyes and it was in the direction of more permission, more allowance, which would be something like, mm-hmm, or that's right, or yep, there you go. In any case, there are sides of things where you want to allow the eyes to be closed. Sure, it's part of the process. Sure, it potentiates the feeling state and the experience, and that feeling state experience has more pendulation to it. Oh, it's a clearly involuntary kind of thing, et cetera, et cetera. They're involved in the image sequence, and they're just kind of watching things happen. Their eyes are moving under their eyelids. Just, ah, sure, no problem. Eyes closed. Let it happen. Let it roll. Nothing profound about it, but it is part of the process. On the other side, whoa, definitely, we need more attention here, here and now, in this room, before being swept away by thatness over there, in which case we probably need to keep the eyes open, and there will be times at least in my experience, where I will be the fool and not have kept the eyes of my clients open when I wish I would have. And then you just kind of, in my opinion, you ride with that, trying to keep your consistent signal as best you can, and you get your courage up a little bit for the next time that you have to help your clients keep their eyes open. Yep, that is true. All of that is something that I think about and was willing and happy and looking forward to sharing with you. I hope that you'll be keeping your eyes open and letting them close when the timing is right. 
and that you're taking good care out there. Okay. Bye-bye now. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. And here's a tracking twig moment. Today's episode, episode number 70, is being published on January 12th, 2016. On January 13th, 2016, I'm going to send a little invitation to folks who are on my newsletter for helpers, a way that I can get in contact with people who I know want to hear from me. I'm going to send a little invitation to some earlier work, some juvenilia from this project, Twigs SE Reflections. If you want to have access to that, go ahead and take a second and jump over to my website, liberationispossible.org. Look in the main menu for therapist resources, and then drill down from there and find newsletter for helpers. Just fill in your information there. It's a way that I can know that you want to hear from me and I can send you special things that I won't necessarily release everywhere because maybe some of them are a little less less well-developed than, than one would like to share. But okay, maybe some of you want to hear it. If so, get on my newsletter. If you're already there, happy to say news is coming real soon about how you can have access to that. Okay, that's that.